Most of you won't be surprised to know that I love words. Uh, sometimes I love too many of them. Um, right, Nick? Uh, words, though, have power in them, right? Words have power to heal and to hurt. Words have power to unite people and to divide people. Words have power to encourage people or to discourage people. Last week uh, after chapel worship, one of my sisters in Christ offered me the sweetest blessing in one word. And it was, unbeknownst to her, an answer to prayers that I've been praying for a few months. One word from a sister in Christ with the power to encourage me to affirm God's goodness, uh, to remind me that God is present. I have two words for you today. One is remember, and the other is beloved. Remember and beloved. And there are few things I can think of that bring me more joy than being able to be one who reminds you that you are beloved, that you are a beloved child of God, truly. If you can get that, then it changes how you live. If you can get it in your heart and your mind, it changes how you see the world. It changes how you understand yourself and your place in the world. It changes how you see and interact with other people, that you are a beloved child of God. That's where we start. Today, we're going to remember Jesus' baptism and remember our own. We're going to remember the words that Jesus heard at his baptism, and we remember the words that we hear at our own. Remembering that we are named and claimed by God, that we belong to God, that we are beloved children of God. That word beloved should be deep within us. It should be in every cell of our being. It should be all over us and around us. It should be what we remember every day when we get up and face the world. It should be what we remember every night as we put our head on the pillow for the rest that God provides. Beloved, remember. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, Mark wastes no time. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. 
With you I am well pleased. The Jordan River. The Jordan River, you can get to it in, in the north but by the Sea of Galilee, and you can get to it in the south. And when you go visit the Holy Land, they take you to different sites. And often the sites they take you to have been uh, prettied up for tourists to come and see. This is not one of those that has been prettied up. This is the Jordan River down close to Jericho. This is where we, uh, when we went in 2014, we remembered our baptism in that water. What I love about it is that it's not clean and it's not pristine and it doesn't match any of our romantic ideas about what all of these places that Jesus went to, what they look like. And the reason I love this place and this image so much is because Jesus is with us in our muddiness and in our mess, right? The water cleanses us, but Jesus meets us where we are in our own lives. This would have been likely close to the location where Jesus was baptized by John. Baptism was not a new thing. You heard Mark uh, mention that. Baptism wasn't new. It was an ancient ritual of cleansing and purification, uh, sometimes used with oil, but always, almost always with water. The, the baths of purification, the pools of, of being made clean, of repentance and coming and receiving that cleansing um, from God, the, the forgiveness of sins. Water is always an important part of baptism, as Kristen was telling us. But with Jesus, it was not just the water, but also the presence of the Spirit. Jesus comes to be baptized, not in repentance, not because Jesus has done anything uh, for which he needs forgiveness, but as a way for us to know in his baptism and through the presence of the Spirit, his identity as beloved Son of God, so that we also might know ours. Baptism itself is primarily a gift from God, to us, a gift that we have to receive and open. Uh, none of you would leave Christmas presents wrapped up under the tree, right? Gifts are meant to be opened. Gifts are meant to be received. And baptism is a gift from God to us. Primarily in baptism, there are two actors and two parts. The two actors in baptism are God and the person being baptized. As a pastor, I simply have the honor and the privilege of, of being an instrument of God's grace, of being, being one who is a witness as you receive the gift that God offers to you. So really the primary actors are you, the one being baptized, and God. And there are two parts to baptism, the water that has always been a part of baptism and the spirit which we receive with Jesus' baptism. With water... One of the things that we, the water represents, and Kristen was talking about that, is uh, change and growth and, and cleansing. The water being our uh, saying, I repent. I want to go a different way. I want to return uh, back to who God has created me to be. I want to live in that space. I want to be forgiven for the ways that I have strayed outside of what has got, God has intended for me. The water is symbolic of our repentance, and in response, Jesus, off, um, Jesus, God offers forgiveness. Our God is a God of mercy, mercy that is new every day. So when we come 
to be baptized, when we come and remember our baptism, we remember God's mercy and God's forgiveness. The second part of of that um, baptism is the Spirit. And I want you to pay attention to what happens when the Spirit comes. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. He's been baptized by the water, in the water. He comes up and he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is what we receive at the gift, when we open and receive the gift of baptism for ourselves. The Spirit of God descending upon him, the voice of God confirming who Jesus is. Helping us understand who we are. Affirming God's presence with Jesus and affirming God's presence with us. On that day at the Jordan River when we were there in 2014 and we remembered our baptisms, there were two groups, there were probably two, two busloads of people who were there. And so we spent uh, a good uh, hour there as everyone had an opportunity to remember their baptism. And when we were getting to the last people, no joke, we looked up in the sky and there were doves flying overhead. And I'll never forget how special that was. Again, that reminder, it's not just that we've been made clean. It's not just that we've been forgiven. But with the power of the Spirit, we are enabled, empowered to live out who we are. To live as beloved children of God. With the Spirit, our response, our part is is saying, I commit myself to living as a beloved child of God. And God's response is the gift of the Spirit to say, I empower you to do that. I am present with you. I give you the strength and the power to live fully and freely in the grace of God. To live the full and abundant life that God intends for us. So it's not two separate baptisms. It's all one baptism, but it's two parts. We see it played out in Acts 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism, the baptism of water of repentance. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. So these disciples who had been following the ways of Christ but had not yet been baptized in Christ... They had been baptized, of course, with the water as repentance, as purification, as part of that ancient ritual. But now they are baptized in Christ, and they are baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, receiving the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, we are connected to God in a way that can never be broken. When you were baptized... 
You were named and claimed, and your life was changed. You were marked in a way that you can never forget, even if sometimes it's only your soul that remembers. Sometimes if you were baptized, uh, for those who were baptized as, as infants, you don't have a physical memory of your baptism, but your spirit remembers, your soul remembers Because in that baptism as God's gift to us, we receive it. Others allow us to receive it when we are infants. And we're marked in a way by God's love. Uh, Marked in a way that the rest of our lives are lived out in response, as a response to that in some kind of way. Whether we are conscious of it or not. You are God's beloved child. Baptism confirms that, affirms that. Loved without condition, loved beyond measure, and no matter how your journey unfolds, nothing can change the fact that you are a child of God, that you belong to God, that you are beloved. And in that word, beloved, we find strength and we find hope and healing We find peace, and we find purpose, and we find provision for wherever we are and for whatever we face. Immediately after Jesus' baptism, this is what happens. Mark tells us, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, in uh, Mark's gospel, everything is very succinct. Mark's very clear and, uh, and succinct about things. One of the interesting things is that in the early church, people who were being prepared to be baptized often had to memorize the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, which is probably the easiest to memorize because it is very uh, short and succinct. Matthew, on the other hand, uh, gives us more of the story. This is how it is played out in Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, The people uh, who would have heard this story, who would have been been told how Jesus resisted this temptation, would have been taken back to Deuteronomy. When the people are being reminded of how God provided manna for them in the wilderness as they moved to the promised land. It's it's uh, an invitation for them to remember how God has always provided for them in the wilderness. Provided what they needed and more than they needed. Listen, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We know from Mark's gospel that Jesus was led into the wilderness immediately after his baptism. Do you remember what the last word that he heard was? You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We don't live by bread alone. We live by the very word of God, the living word of God. And the last words that Jesus heard before going into the wilderness to face temptation 
or that he was beloved, that God was pleased with him, that he belonged to God. What if whatever wilderness we face, that's what we remembered? What if when life is hard, when we experience heartache and disappointment, we remember that we are beloved, that that's what God says to us in our baptism? What if when we have more questions than answers, when we are overcome with guilt and shame, when relationships are broken, when we just can't seem to emerge from depression and sadness, when we're paralyzed by fear, when we are living in an environment that is one of anger and hatred, when we just can't catch a break from the heaviness of our lives or the brokenness of the world, what if we remembered that we are beloved children of God? What if our children, I was so touched by the children being here tonight, what if our children in schools facing all sorts of stuff that many of us didn't face growing up, what if they knew in the very core of their being that they are beloved by God? Certainly by their parents too, right? But by God. What if every bully that they faced, what if every failure that they experienced, what if every challenge and scary thing that they walked into, they went into it knowing that they are beloved? What if everything you faced, you went into knowing that you are beloved? It changes everything. It changes how you see other people. It changes how you see your circumstances. It changes how you live in the midst of your circumstances. And what if we, remembering that we are beloved and living out of that place, helped other people who are longing to know that? to know that? What if our living out of our belovedness helped the world to love better? I think that it's possible. You remember and you notice perhaps that Jesus hadn't done anything to be named and claimed by God, to be told that he was beloved, to be told that God was pleased with him, right? Jesus hadn't done any miracles, hadn't done anything spectacular, hadn't said anything wise, Our belovedness is not about doing the right thing or saying the right thing or having our lives all together. It's not about what we do or don't do. It's not about us being able to earn God's love or work for earning God's love. It is because God loves us. First, we are beloved because we belong to God and God's very nature is love. I wonder what your wilderness is. I wonder what what you're facing that has you swirling with the words of the world or the words of someone else trying to tell you that you're anything but beloved. I wonder what your wilderness is and where do you need to remember that you are beloved. All of us need to remember, which is one of the reasons I so love this story about Martin Luther and how he lived out his baptism 
I've told you this story before, but I want to remind you today, Martin Luther, this great Protestant reformer, experienced times of great despair and feelings of unworthiness. And and so the story goes that he had uh, the inscription above his desk that said, uh, Martin, be calm. You are baptized. Right? And that he used to touch his hand to his forehead and say, Martin, be calm. You are baptized. No matter what you're facing, no matter what life wants to throw at you, remember, you are beloved. Let it change how you live, how you see yourself, how you see others, and how you face the world around us and all of the words that would tell you otherwise. Remember, you are beloved. With you, God is well pleased. Let us pray. Holy God, we we know that you are loving. We know that you are kind. We know that you are good. Sometimes we think, though, that it's only for other people. Help us to receive the depth of our belovedness. Help us to truly believe and live from that place, knowing that before we do anything, you love us. That there's nothing we can say or do to earn that love. There's nothing that we have to do to work for that love. That no matter what we do, whether we have all the answers or none of the answers, you love us. Help that really take root in us as we remember our baptism. That it wouldn't just be a weekend in which we remember yours, but a weekend in which we remember ours and carry it with us into every day. Knowing that it's likely if if those of us who know that we are named and claimed and beloved by you, if we would live from that place and love others, that indeed the whole world might be a different place. So give us courage to listen first and foremost to your words for us as we choose to allow you to take hold of us and renew us and transform us into the image in which we were created. Thank you for your love for us. We pray that we will remember and that we will live faithfully in that love. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.